Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They called me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Listener mail segment on the road. Uh, and we have so many great pieces of correspondence. I know I, I know we all say this pretty often, and it's always true, but... This week, there's an extraordinary abundance, an embarrassment of riches. We're going to hear from quite a few of our fellow conspiracy realists. We're going to touch on a lot of uh, a lot of weird stuff. We don't even need to give you the rundown because this is eclectic and somewhat esoteric. Without further ado, uh, let's not stand on ceremony. Let's get right to it. How many bugs did you eat today, folks? Unclear. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I have accidentally inhaled a bug before uh, on sitting on my porch on a lovely October's Eve, and that's not fun. Um, but, you know, there, you always hear statistics, right? It's like every, every human being naturally consumes X thousands of bugs a year or whatever. Or maybe I made that statistic up. Surely it exists. Surely someone has measured the likelihood of a of organic bug consumption. I don't mean organic like the fancy kind. I just mean, you know, uh, in normal, under normal circumstances. But uh, we got an email from Brad. I don't know that Brad's concerned, but Brad uh, acknowledged that uh, Twitter is concerned and Reddit is concerned. Uh, some people, perhaps you might uh, label them as alarmists, are concerned that they're going to be feeding us bugs, you guys. 
what we think is is the sweet sweet meats of the chicken or the or the beef cow or whatever is actually creepy crawly bugs because try as they might big bug has not taken off uh, in the United States in terms of like a, a, a functional protein substitute. Um, we know that in Latin America, uh, there are, you know, crickets are a, a very common topping, you know, on tacos and ants and stuff. I went to a restaurant in New York a year or so ago called, I think, the Black Ant, and, and they have some, you know, insect proteins on their menu. Um, what we do know is that it is a pretty viable source of protein if you can get past the not sticker shock, I guess the ick factor, factor of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the United you know, Nations wants people to eat bugs. They've been saying uh, that for well into a decade now. Understandably so, because it does create uh, a a much better for the planet um, substitute, you know, than meat. We know that, you know, farming, uh, cattle farming and all of the emissions that it causes from, from cow farts and all of that stuff. And also there's the um, massive amounts of resources that it takes to you know, to grow or to to raise what could be considered a luxury item. If you really wanted to break it down to brass tacks, you know, we could probably survive on protein pills like they said we would in the future. Um, but we love the taste of cows. We love the taste of chicken. So, you know, we could argue that there might be a future where our planet is in such poor shape that those things are no longer viable for the planet. But knowing us, at least here in America, we'll push it off till the last possible second. And we, you know, we need our legacy industries, great American companies, you know, great salt of the earth farmers. Although we know that that's largely a myth too, because the ones who are truly making money off of this kind of thing are the Tyson foods of the world, you know, or like the much larger corporate interests that maybe at one point started off as a little family mom and pop type chickenry, but not no longer. And uh, I'm just going to get right into the email from Brad. Hey, guys, I was on uh, X. He was in quotes today, which I love uh, today and noticed a bunch of activity around Tyson Foods. Recently, they announced a partnership with the company Protix uh, to develop insect based protein for pet and agricultural feed. Um, there has since been a ton of folks online advocating that they, quote, will never eat bugs and we should boycott Tyson products, even though the protein is not currently planned for human consumption. I know there are wider conspiracies around the deep state globalists and the World Economic Forum forcing everyone to eat bugs. So thought this might be a topic you'd want to dive into further. Some people have tied in COVID, Big Pharma, Bill Gates, and World War III as well. Um, World War III being the one that you know hasn't happened or arguably is happening right now, and we just don't call it that yet because that's usually how these things go, especially when world wars are concerned. Um, I've attached an article from Tyson, like a press release situation, and some screenshots of tweets that I've seen on the topic. Thanks, Brad. Uh, and I'll just read a few things. Bama Jeans on uh, Twitter says, well, now, thanks to COVID, we know we can't trust the FDA anyway. Anyone else notice how bread doesn't mold anymore? Haven't bought Tyson chicken in years anyway because of the hormones. Makes me wonder if food has produced all the beta males and obese population. Uh, Linda Britton Fairchild or on Twitter says, uh, here we go, or retweets uh, a post from somebody else. Here we go. Tyson Foods is now adding bugs to their foods. Uh, and then another from Curls Green Eyes. They are getting ready to feed you Z-Bugs. Brought to you by Tyson Foods. Um, 
Last one, Paul M. Davis. You will eat the bugs. And then Klaus Schwab voice. I don't know who Klaus Schwab is, but I presumably a Nazi of some stripe. Um, Tyson Foods builds first insect protein food factory. Watch WW3 will cause food prices to soar out of control, and the middle class will be forced to literally eat bugs because it's all we can't afford. Klaus Schwab is the chairperson of the WEF, the World Economic Forum. My bad, Forum. not not a Nazi at all. I just decided, well, they 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 were doing uh, the the Nazi. We mm-hmm. show us as your papers, you know, mm-hmm. the Germans' voice or whatever. So mm-hmm. apologies to Mr. Schwab, not a Nazi, just a German. The implication, though, I believe in the tweet was there was some you know parallel, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, again, these tweets uh, to me, I don't know about you guys, seem. A little alarmist pushing this whole thing to the nth degree um, because well, Tyson in their release said they're 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 testing it out. They bought a majority shareholder stake in this Protex company and they're using it for pet food. And also, we know agricultural feed is already made out of all kinds of crazy stuff. Sometimes they even feed waste to these these animals, uh, other animal waste or ground up eggshells and things like that. So it's sort of a hierarchy. Uh, but the assumption immediately from some folks goes to they're going to they're they're feeding us bugs, sort of like they're taking our jobs. Oh, sorry, Matt. What were you saying? Oh, yeah. Just that, that's the point. It, 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 it smells of the same thing that we see every day now where it's you read the headline and you make assumptions about what that means rather than actually gaining any context before putting your opinion into into the old gauntlet there. And, you know, Protex, the company started in 2009. This is from their website, uh, Our Journey. We've been dedicated to bringing the food system back into balance with nature. We will not rest until we have achieved this mission. Having perfected our low footprint ingredients and the technological and commercial models, we're now expanding internationally. This allows us to bring healthy and sustainable nutrition on a much larger scale, creating a better world uh, already today. Uh, Guys, I would posit or pose the question how is this that different from like you know impossible meat or like lab-grown chicken or whatever it's just another thing that you can like you know like tofu you can or like seitan or other you know vegetarian or vegan quote-unquote meat substitute options they're just proteins and you just dress them up however you want you know so i would argue that if you gave me a burger patty made out of crickets and it tasted good and had nutritional value, like where, where's the harm in that? I don't think that the, any company would secretly replace our Folgers crystals with crickets. It would be illegal to do so. I got to be honest, I got a cricket in the game on this one. Out of us, I probably, I'm not to make assumptions, but I probably am the person who's eaten the most insects just in, in various situations. And the the interesting thing here to me, and Brad, you're a, your email really stood out to me as well, is first, yes, uh, there has been a push from various international organizations to promote the consumption of insects. Many countries, many parts of the world have been doing this for since antiquity, right? And you can, to your point about the restaurant in New York, you can find some of this in the States and other quote unquote developed parts of the world. And it's tasty stuff. You know, you can fry pretty much anything is the secret, but there's something that I don't know. I don't know whether they're considering this fully to your point, Matt, about going past the headline. This may be, this is an answer. And I think it's a correct answer. It may be a little bit too late of an answer because as you see, like uh, for the past what the past five years more uh, 
scientists have been incredibly alarmed about plummeting insect numbers. So when the world finally like mainstreams that as a source of food, they might have a tough time finding all the insects that once were so abundant, which leads us to, you know, which insects are going to become the livestock, right? Because the only non-human animals doing well now are chickens, uh, goats, (laughs) cattle, right? Lamb. uh, And they all have one thing in common. They became a, um, an easily attainable food source for humans. So that's what I'm thinking of. What are like the four to five types of insects that are going to be, going to be the munchables? Well, the the big one that the company is talking about is the black soldier fly. Um, and again, into the ick factor uh, element, uh, because they quote, according to the CEO of uh, Protix keys arts, um, the black soldier fly can grow on almost every type of food waste and byproduct you can imagine. Um, so the waste management is also part of their whole deal. Matt, uh, you were, you were going to jump in with something and I could see your eyes lighten up. Oh yeah. Uh, the reason why it's going to work, Ben, is what you said, because it's all farming, right? It's, it's not, uh, they're not going out looking for insects. They've got their insects. And one of the things that uh, this company sells are black soldier fly eggs in bulk, right? Mm-hmm. So that basically they're producing so many that they're now outputting the eggs so that other people can begin growing their own black soldier flies for other uses, right? But what will that mean for biodiversity? Oh, because it's not going to be good. (laughs) I could see this leading to a a biblical plague of locusts kind of situation (laughs) under the wrong circumstance. Right. I could I could see that if, if it got out of hand. But again, Tyson is investing in this and it's kind of funny. It's sort of the way, you know, maybe older media companies started investing in podcasts, you know, or whatever, like something like we got to catch, we got to catch the wave of the future. We got to future proof our company. And while no one's suggesting that we make Tyson fly patties and sell those, who knows things could take a turn. And then they're already kind of in the game, you know, in terms of what could happen with our, our, our planet and, and the ability to sustain, you know, meat production and consumption. But it's weird because, okay, so you are what you eat, right? The nutrients you take in become your cells, which then become you, right? And if that, that is just a, a truth of two guys, and they, one of the plans of this company is to get chickens to feed on live larva rather than on things like soy to feed the chickens. So then the chickens are now live larva chickens, live larva eggs that you buy at the store, right? That's what fed them to make them. So in a weird way, some of those tweets are right, but not in, not in the right ways. There's always, there's always a little (laughs) nugget of truth in these alarmist over the reactions. And that's where they usually start. These aren't stupid people. I don't think, you know, I mean, in general, I would say people mean well most of the time. Okay, maybe not. Who knows? But my point is they're, they're latching on to something that feels like it could be the thing, even if it's not currently the thing. And again, to your point, Ben, it would be absolutely illegal for these companies to secretly feed us this stuff. So they would have to have an alternative like Impossible Burger or like, you know, whatever that they would then market as such. Uh, there is a pet food company that already markets um, itself as a uh, insect protein based food for your your 
pets called love bug. So they're like leaning into it. It's not like a secret or like used as filler. It's like, it's, it's the whole deal. And then people are going to buy that because of the impact on the environment. And I mentioned the hierarchy earlier. It's like, of course, we're going to start this off on our pets, right? Because only the most, you know, absolutely over the top pet parent would be like, I'm not feeding my fluffy any larva or flies or bugs. That's gross. Fluffy eats only what I eat because she is my baby, my sweet, sweet fur baby. So it's, it's easier to swallow on a lower, like, you know, rung of the evolutionary ladder, I guess. Same with bugs. For some reason, there's no outcry against eating bugs, even from the most, you know, environmental of folks who maybe animal rights type folks. It's a much easier sell than Chickens and cows and sweet, sweet bunnies. <laughs> sweet, sweet bunnies. But at the same time, it is in a weird place between, you know, carnivorous diets and, and like vegan diets or something. Because it is, right. it's just a weird place. Because you can put yourself in the mind of a fly, all right? And if there's, and like, think about how many flies you need to make the same amount of protein material that you would, you know, use chickens to make, right? Billions, right? Like or, insane amount, I'm sure. Like for, what, on, on scale, at scale, right? Yeah. One of the things a company sells is a thing called Lipid X, which is 43% lauric acid, which is, um, it's fats that are produced from black soldier flies. Think about how many flies you need to make just a vial of that stuff. Additionally, too, there's this, so the, the question of social mores, right, expectations and taboos. Some countries, communities, cultures will consider things, you know, uh, totally fine to eat or totally forbidden, and there's not really a scientific reason for a lot of it, right? Some of it is due to um, past ages when refrigeration and sanitation uh, technology was non-existent or nowhere near as good. But I would advance to you folks, if you're saying bugs are gross and you eat chicken, remember, chickens love eating insects. All you're doing is eating insects with a middleman, you know? So it's it's totally, something to think really about. Really good point. Something to think about indeed. Um, and I think probably a story will follow and potentially maybe talk a little bit more about sustainable food source. I can't remember. We, we certainly have in the past, but maybe something a little more on the, along the lines of like, you know, the future of it or whatever. I mean, again, I know we've probably done that, but it might be time for an update. Um, thank you, Brad, uh, for the uh, illuminating email and the screenshots. And uh, we're going to take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor and come back with more messages from you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just 
disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. And we've returned. That company, guys, also makes Flytilizer, which is fertilizer made out of flies, which feels like something that humanity genuinely could use. I don't know. Sounds interesting to me. All right, let's jump to the phone lines. We are going to hear from no one in particular who was a constant what? caller. You, you, you promised us a person, Matt. You promised <laughs> us that. Okay. Shout out. Oh, please. Okay. Shout out no one in particular. Uh, here we go. This is what you had to say. Hello, this is no one in particular, and you are welcome to use this as usual. I was just listening to an episode from the archive about can cannabis cure cancer? And, well, something Noel said brought up a memory, but to initially answer that science may be inconclusive, but I'm going to say that the science has to say yes, because placebos can cure cancer. And every medication in the world goes up basically against medicinalized face healing to see if it's better than that before it's an approved drug. Now, back to uh, what Noel said, because it cracked me up, about how Dare came in and they brought a briefcase full of drugs. Well, when I got home the day that they did that at my school, my dad's best friend was a Coke dealer, my uncle was a heroin dealer, another uncle was a meth dealer, And when they heard about that, they instantly said, oh, I bet they were watching the kids for who recognized so they'd know where to look later. Anyway, you guys have a great show. Bye. 
Well, no one in particular. Those are two very interesting points. Uh, just to rehash really quickly, guys, I think the point is maybe marijuana does cure cancer because it's uh, going against a placebo like all other drugs. And it may, at least in some of these trials, it does seem to do better. Lots more research needed on that front. But the thing that was really interesting to me is something I'd never thought about with those D.A.R.E. presentations back in the day. Could they have been surveilling the kids, like for real surveilling the kids to see if there's anyone in their immediate friends or family group that has these drugs that they're just showing them for ostensibly the first time? Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. No one in particular. Uh, it's props, props to the folks who, who pitched that to you because I imagine it, it's very smart and I imagine it was not official policy, but in certain neighborhoods or municipalities, I could totally see uh, LEOs using that using that procedure. And uh, you know, I, I I say that as a proud winner of several Dare Award essays. Uh, <laughs> but I I do also, for the record, think they gave everybody an award at some point. It just makes sense. I mean, those also weren't those uh, the the kind of science project looking trifold cases, uh, weren't those filled with replica drugs rather than actual, you know, crack cocaine or um, LSD, et cetera? I certainly hope so. I, <laughs> it was, I was, it was just more at like, a, yeah, it's like those like fa- the food, fake food that you see at Chinese restaurants sometimes, you know, it's kind of like that, but like for crack and LSD. Well, I was looking at them again just to actually see like the ones that we probably saw growing up. And I mean, there's actual paraphernalia in there for sure, right? Like a broken spoon with some cotton in it, a match book that's like half emptied so that a couple of roaches or whatever could fit in there. Um, It looks like a fake poppy for sure. (laughs) I don't know about the rest. Anyway, uh, just an interesting thought. I can't remember if there were two officers or two dare people there like during a presentation or if it was just one it's usually three that mcgruff is a cop in a costume don't believe it (laughs) well but i mean even but even if there are two right like one person giving the presentation the other one watching your eyes you know what i'm saying i don't know maybe not maybe it's nothing all right well let's jump to our next caller and this one comes from abyssal hey guys the world sucks so here's just my uh Interesting thought. You guys are aware of the abyssal zone, right? It's uh, the portion of the ocean that's so dark that light can't even penetrate that deep into the ocean. Well, that is uh, 83% of the ocean. No light. Completely dark. That 83% of the ocean accounts for 60% of the planet's surface. Completely dark. Can't even get light there. I don't know if you are aware, but the square cube law, which is essentially the law that prevents uh, animals from growing infinitely large before they collapse under their own weight, um, the square cube law does not apply under water. Interesting. Just wanted to give you a little bit of uh, brightening information, I guess. Feel free to do it. It's what you will. Um, I'll remain anonymous. Thanks. 
<laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I'm glad you chose this one, Matt. Uh, it is, it is interesting. Now, people will argue with a lot of validity that while Square Cube does not apply to maritime creatures, simply the tremendous per inch square uh, pounds of pressure per square inch in the abyssal plane, uh, and the lack of nutrients severely impedes uh, growth past a certain threshold. But also, scientists don't know a ton about what's down there. That's just true. Yeah, very much so. Uh, that Just the square cube law, guys, just uh, I'm sure y'all are aware of it, but I wasn't aware of it as much. Uh, looking through, MIT describes it really well. If you think about an ant, the ant has teeny tiny little legs and it doesn't, it barely weighs anything. So those legs have no problem supporting the weight of that ant. And yet it can still lift like 50 times its weight uh, with those tiny little legs. But if you, if you increase the size of that ant at exact proportions, right? You, you don't have to make it much larger before those legs can no longer hold its weight because the volume as the area increases, the volume actually increases by a cube, I think, or a cubed. The area only increases by basically a square. Does that make sense? So like area times itself versus area times itself times itself uh, when it comes to the volume of, uh, of a thing, a structure, or anything. So the concept here that Abyssal is pointing to is that since you don't have legs and you're just swimming through a medium... You you can get pretty dang big, but Ben, your your point is absolutely right that the pressures, surrounding pressures and lack of nutrients do also put a hamper on that. But there are giant things that we've discovered in the past that we've talked about that are swimming around the oceans. It's just whether or not they're hanging out in that abyssal zone. Got it. Yeah, when I hear abyssal, I always think of uh, <laughs> the movie Mandy, where like there are these like evil cultists who are like they're always talking about the abyssal plane, you know, which is mm -hmm. like uh, some sort of infernal region where like demonic creatures come from, and that's what those things in the ocean look like, man. Those ones with the lamps on their heads and the big creepy like headlight looking eyes. Yeah, and people may also be thinking of the abyss. We do know, of course, that uh, sea monsters, for lack of a better term, are the stuff of legend. Uh, there are quite likely many undiscovered creatures out there in the deep, uh, and we as a civilization are far more likely to find them now than at any other point. But there's a real, there's a real window of time for that, isn't there? Like, um, I don't know, there's a big question about how much and how thoroughly humanity should explore the abyssal plane. I think it's going to become more important. I think it's worthwhile science. What do you guys think? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's certainly an undiscovered. Uh, there's, there seems like if there was going to be a place to discover new things, it would be there. Yeah, but what are we going to do down there? That's a good question, too. You know? <laughs> Go around <laughs> and find out. As <laughs> ever. But really, I, unless we're going down to drill more offshore oil stuff or lay some pipe, you know, I, I don't know what, I don't know what humanity is going to do down there at the, like, as you said, at those tremendous pressures and just the extremes that it would take to get a human being down there mm. to do well, some stuff. Unfortunately, necessity being the mother of invention, it may be a situation wherein humanity does have to live beneath water because it's such an effective shield against radiation, right? 
screw up the surface world and then have civilization incentivized to address some of those problems and build underwater habitats. But they probably still, even then, and uh, an excellent job on the percentages there, excellent job on the statistics, man. Uh, even then, Abyssal, there will not be there will not be a great incentive to go too deep just because it's inconvenient. What humanity would do in that situation is find the minimum amount of depth needed to exist safely, and then they would start building there. Yeah, because Abyssal Zone, 6,600 feet down to 20,000 feet. Uh, beneath the surface of the ocean. So that's like, yeah, that's that's nice and deep. Uh, <laughs> I, I bet we could have our C-Lab somewhere, our C-Lab 2020 or whatever it was. So, hey, thanks so much for calling in with that interesting observation there. Uh, thank you so much as well to no one in particular. We'll be right back with more messages from you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. 
Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. And we have returned with the third act of this week's listener mail segment. Our first story is a true crime story. Uh, this may this this contains some disturbing stuff. As a result, it may not be suitable for all listeners. But we're going to do a quick cavalcade of this, and we're going to end with some nice letters from home. Uh, so here is our our first piece from Beeswax, not yours. Beeswax says, gentlemen, in case you haven't heard, there is a fugitive who escaped custody in East Tennessee this week. His story is full of negligence and incompetence on the part of law enforcement or possibly a full-blown conspiracy. It began many years ago when he was a prominent businessman in Johnson City and allegedly began drugging and, we'll say, sexually assaulting women, including minors. Complaints to the Johnson City Police Department went uninvestigated, leading to the termination of an officer for attempting to investigate him, leading to a federal lawsuit against the police department itself uh, when when this person became a federal prosecutor. After the Fed's investigation lawsuit, the police chief resigned. Real charges were brought, but this suspect was already on the run. He finally got located in North Carolina. He got arrested. And this week, he escaped the custody of some Kentucky sheriff's deputies who were transporting him on behalf of the U.S. Marshals. Listen to this part. Apparently, he removed his restraints and kicked out a van window somehow without alerting the officers transporting him. And beeswax, or not yours, beeswax, says, that's my best understanding of the circumstances, uh, provides some local articles about the situation, and wants to see whether we can shed some additional light on the story, ending with thanks for everything you do. Um, as you guys know, I I love when we get email uh, in this situation because it wrote back to not yours, beeswax, and gotta say, this story is incredibly disturbing. The suspect's name is Sean Williams, and in in so many uh, episodes and so many strange news or listener mail segments, we have talked at length about the prevalence of corruption in some small towns. And while Johnson City is not necessarily a small town, it's part of the Tri-Cities area there in Northeast Tennessee, reading through the articles that you sent, Beeswax, it does very much look like someone in law enforcement was aiding and abetting this guy's criminal career for quite some time. I mean, have you guys got any chance to, to read some of the stuff that Beeswax sent in? I'm looking at yeah, it. That's the first time post. hearing of it. Yeah, looking at it now as well. Uh, why do, Why does it seem like somebody was helping him? Because he seems to have been a bit of a big wheel in the local drug game. Uh, he also was seems to have been somehow protected. That is my that is my estimation because there was retaliation against uh, one person in particular, Michaela Evans, who. Uh, Tempted to bring charges against this guy for sexual assault, for uh, transportation and sale of narcotics. As soon as she started looking into this guy, she became uh, certain that he was under the protection of at least some faction of law enforcement. And so 
Michaela Evans is the person who starts interviewing women who allege that Williams has sexually assaulted them. This is, for the record, outside of the scope of her normal duties. And she repeatedly asked different detectives, different members of law enforcement to investigate Williams. She was saying, why are you not pulling the trigger on this? Why are you not looking into it? And unfortunately, it seems like they they buried the entire case. The problem with that, too, is that corruption aside, that calls the escape story into question, too. Like, if this guy had juice, how far did his juice go? You know? Mm-hmm. Man, for doing some pretty horrible things, like, I can't, uh, it's hard to imagine that he's protected, unless it is that drug connection, right? Somehow there's a profit motive that's moving through law enforcement, because um, those mm-hmm. are some horrific things he's being charged with. Yeah, and he is, uh, his full name is Sean Christopher Williams. He's 51 years old. Just to be clear, folks, people don't usually escape from prison transport vans, they're kind of locked up. They're not your average Honda Odyssey. And he's, he, so we, it's weird because then that would mean there's interstate corruption, right? Or maybe he had enough money that he was able as a free agent to pay off people to look the other way while he escaped. Uh, he has been, uh, he is known, apparently he's a known entity and bad guy in this area. I have some uh, relations and acquaintances in the Tri-Cities area, when I asked some folks about it, they said, yeah, everybody, like some folks who had been kind of in the, formerly in the drug scene, they had told me people knew about this guy for quite some time. And you know how it is in the underground, like those things that police end up investigating, especially with characters like this, they're often well-known by people in the scene beforehand. Would you say that's fair? I don't want to overgeneralize. That seems like a fair assessment to me. So we're going to move on. We Mainly we want to put, put the word out here because this guy has yet to be apprehended. He went to ground. He's on the run. Uh, the U.S. Marshals Service is offering $5,000 in reward. Uh, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, the TBI, is offering $2,500. Now, in a recent conversation, we had an interview segment with the creator of Ear Witness, Beth Shelburne, and in that we pointed out there can be a lot of problems with offering a reward for a suspect. But in this case, we can argue it's different because the identity of the suspect is known. They're not being paid to accuse someone of something. Uh, They're being rewarded for bringing an absolute monster to justice. The earliest charges I found date back to 2008, which probably means he was active way before then. So we want to put the word out there. Let us know if you see anything. Uh, Let us know whether you think this guy is going to get away. It's, um, It's a scary story, but it's an important announcement. And and we don't want to end on something too brutal. So be safe. Take care out there, folks. Uh, and thought maybe we could go to a, a bit of a palate cleanser with some comments on the science of getting to the moon, which we spent a lot of time talking about earlier. Uh, this is from Magnolia Mayhem. Magnolia says, I don't care if you read this on air. I forget who it was who bought this up late in the episode about the new space race. But someone brought up having a single rocket go to the moon and come back. 
The reason we can't use this concept is because of something called the rocket equation. It's a terrible little formula that I'm not going to write out here. Instead, think of a rocket and a payload. The rocket has one gallon of fuel and a one pound payload. Parentheses, metric, get wrecked. All right, USA, I got you, Magnolia. Uh, this fuel payload combination gets one mile to the sky. What happens if you need to get two pounds to the one mile line? Most people go to a linear graph. One gallon gets you one mile with one pound. So two pounds gets you two pounds up, right? Magnolia says no, because God hates rockets. The hmm. extra fuel is itself a payload that the original fuel has to lift. Because of this, the fuel you need to get two pounds up to the same altitude as one pound is going to be closer to four gallons. And then continues to say, that's why rockets have to be as light as possible. That's why these stages, you drop used up fuel tanks. You can work around the rocket equation, shed extra weight. And there's been a lot of work around what's known as SSTOs, single stage to orbits. Uh, Magnolia says the closest we ever got to this was the space shuttle. And that still dropped solid rocket boosters and needed an extra pair of engines to get it past dropping the orange tank. Uh, and then... Magnolia, you recommend a video on YouTube called Space Shuttle OMS Burn, where you see two astronauts in a roll of duct tape left hovering in the air when the shuttle fires its OMS to adjust its orbit. Those are those engines that can move things around. And uh, then talks a little bit more about helium, uh, also a little bit about the lunar lander, because the lunar lander, this is one of our questions in the episode, is only possible, the only way that thing works is by having the skin of the lander be as thin as tinfoil, leaving the landing part on the moon, and having zero redundancy for the engine that took them back up to command. And even just hearing that is terrifying, right? That's a whole other kind of abyss. It almost makes it oh, seem yeah. hard to believe that it occurred successfully all those times. <laughs> eh, yeah, you know, each of their own, but also, it, you know, guys, it makes me think... <sighs> maybe maybe it's like an RPG, like an open-world role-playing game where you can advance to areas that are way past your current level. You know, maybe we're like a level 12 situation. Khrushchev jokes aside, maybe we're like a level 12 situation and space or the moon is like level 40-something, right? Maybe we are, maybe we need to get some groundwork done before we go to the higher level enemies, like, space at vacuums like rockets were an accident we weren't supposed to discover rockets quite yet because we don't have the other technology that we need yeah <laughs> like, we, like we watched a youtube hack except instead of getting a cool staff in elden ring it was a hack to get rockets before we were supposed to yeah hmm. nazis thanks a lot then you end up stuck on that part of skyrim where the dragons just eat you alive you know mm -hmm. instantly and and you don't have a save close enough so you just give up on the game no. sorry i was just describing what happened with me in skyrim <laughs> but um, that it's 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 a, it's a reasonable analogy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this this also makes me think i thought this was a nice compliment to the idea of deep sea and abyssal plane exploration because humanity does need to explore, right? And no one in humanity really wants to be told, stay at home and fix stuff. Like, fix your house before you go on a trip. You know, humanity kind of needs to clean itself up uh, before establishing stuff on the moon. I don't know. That's one of the big philosophical divides. What do you guys think? Should, should human beings 
put a pause on space travel and fix Earth's problems before continuing? Or yes, <laughs> but you it's think also, so? yeah. I mean, but it's also one of those questions where you could weigh it like, is it too late for Earth? Should we be exploring the final frontier? Uh, because that's where we're heading, you know, at least those of us that can afford it. I'm sort of joking, but not really. I mean, I don't think we're completely hopeless here on Earth, but man, some of the stories that we hear sure starts to feel like that every now and then. Oh, gosh. Yeah. A, um, an environmental waste photographer in China just got arrested for going to Xinjiang. So people don't even, some very powerful governments don't even want us to talk about what's happening to the natural world. But yeah, I don't know either. Is it just like a, is it a situation where we should just treat planets and ecosystems as ultimately disposable, like move on to the moon and then move on to Mars and then just go somewhere else when, when we crap out on Mars? We certainly should have a more holistic approach to not thinking like that, but mm. past a certain point, it's like, well, what other options do we have? I mean, you know, I don't know, man. People make some bad decisions who are in power and, and have for many, many, many years. We can't tell them to just think of the planet like uh, it doesn't work like that. We had someone call in recently that said the technology itself is the thing. We talked about this before on one of these, but the technology itself is the virus that wants to spread itself to the next planetary body like the technology is it. it's not humans humanity is meant to be here on this planet this is where we were born this is where we thrive where we could thrive but the technology itself is the thing pushing us towards the stars uh, which again isn't an absolute thing it's just a concept it's an idea but man if it doesn't resonate with me uh and you know i i feel like we can probably do both things simultaneously there's nothing stopping us from exploring the moon further and trying to get to mars and establishing stuff there we just need to decide somehow as a species that the money the currency thing that we have that funds everything on the planet could and should be used for this kind of exploration rather than building more war toys and sending them across oceans to hang out while proxy wars continue to be fought. I have crossed oceans of time. Shout out Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, I, I agree with you um, to, to a large degree there, Matt. Uh, humanity as midwife to an ultimately, an ultimately galaxy-spanning life form that is not organic or is techno-organic in nature. The the idea of I would I would also say I agree with you that these goals, space exploration and preservation of Earth as it is now or was in the past, they are not mutually exclusive. As a matter of fact, I would posit the main thing stopping them is the ideological system of economy, right? The the belief that the ways in which the world has decided to distribute, allocate, and prioritize resources. I also think, to your point, Noel, uh, Earth is going to be fine. Humanity, maybe that's a fad, but Earth will carry on, and perhaps a tiny fly that was once raised simply to be a food source in millions and millions of years, perhaps they will become they will fill the role of uh, current humans and they will have the same arguments. Should we go deep into the ocean? We're flies. We're not built for that. Should we go into space? Yeah. You know, is, I feel like space 
would make more sense to flies. Uh, we're going to we're gonna end on one letter from home. We're not going to read the whole thing here, but we do want to give a shout out. Uh, we got a very, very wonderful piece of correspondence from Captain Kabam, uh, who may, is making a comic book and has been leveraging uh, some emergent technology to assist them in the creation of that comic book. So we just wanted to say, we checked it out. Great work, man. Go Captain Kabam. Uh, I don't know about you guys. Uh, I don't want to assume, but I believe we all love seeing it when our fellow conspiracy realists send uh, send in creative works. You know, we've got a, a kid's horror podcast we're going to check out. Uh, we've got a lot of paintings, really cool stuff. So thank you, as always, so much for everybody who took the time to join the show. We're talking Magnolia Mayhem, Captain Kabam, Beeswax, not yours. Anonymous, Abyssal, no one in particular, and Brad, if you want to join their ranks, we would love to have you on the show. Uh, Let us know what's on your mind, leads for new episodes, things that you find to be strange news, questions, clarifications, and of course, as always, hashtag no pun left behind. That's right. You can find us at the handle Conspiracy Stuff on uh, all the usual social media platforms of choice. X, nay, Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, and YouTube. Uh, on Instagram and TikTok, we're Conspiracy Stuff Show. I, for one, hate it when you send in your creative pursuits. Stop that. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> hey, do you want to call us? Our number is one eight three three S T D W Y T K. It's a phone system, so you've got three minutes. Give yourself a cool nickname and let us know if we can use your message and voice on one of our listener mail episodes. If you got more to say that can fit in that three minutes, why not instead send us a good old fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. 
Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.